All right, well, my name is Pastor Quint, and either I did something right or you all did something wrong, because two weeks in a row we're going to do this, all right? So I'm very excited to bring uh, message number three, my second in a row, in this Call to Worship series uh, this morning. So if you remember last week, I said, it's really nice when you can hand off your worship responsibilities and just focus on one thing and preach, and it is, uh, but today I couldn't do that, so I led worship, and now here we are, and so we're going to see if uh, how we can do with that, but... Anyways, uh, so excited that you're here. I want to remind you that next Sunday night, next Sunday morning, we're going to conclude this series, and then next Sunday night at 6.30 p.m., we are going to have a worship night right here in this room, and it's going to be awesome. I'm very, very excited for that, so I want to encourage you to come out totally free, childcare provided, and uh, let's just worship, uh, extended worship together as a church family. So, all right, let's jump in this morning, called to worship Part three, Uh, last week we talked about living a worshipful lifestyle. We did get into the relationship between worship and music, but the bigger picture was that everything we do is an act of worship. The air we breathe, everything we do, our everyday ordinary lives has the opportunity to be an act of worship. We read uh, in Romans 12 verse one, if you remember, we've been urged to present our entire lives as an act of worship. Uh, We learned that literally everything we do is an act of worship. It's just a matter of who we're worshiping or what we're worshiping, okay? Uh, We learned that it's not as simple as just the four songs that you sing uh, before someone gets up here to preach. I'll include this joke again. If you come in and you say, I thought we only sang two songs this morning. We did, but you were late. You should work on that, okay? Um, but we're gonna do two more songs at the end of the message today. This whole series, what we've been doing is we've, we've done a couple songs and then we've taught on worship and then we've had some time to reflect and apply at the end. So that's what we're gonna do. Um, but if you're convicted through that, work on the, the tardiness thing, okay? So, um, but other than that, this was kind of the bigger picture of it with, with music. I, I, I position it like this. Music is like a soundtrack to our worshipful lifestyle. That's really what it is. Worship is, uh, it's a lot of things, but personally to us, worship has the opportunity to remind us of who we're ascribing worth to. Worship has the opportunity to remind us of things God has done in our life. We talked about banner songs. We talked about uh, times in our life when God was really moving and a song that was playing. And so when that song comes on, emotions start, all right, if you remember that. And so God wants to do that all the time. God wants to do that this year, next year, this month, next month. He's always wanting, you know, like the book of Psalms says, sing a new song to the Lord. So he's always wanting us to find that new song to sing to him. And that's why we're regularly doing uh, new songs here. Today, I want to look at uh, this bigger um, this bigger concept, you might, may have heard the term corporate worship. What is corporate worship or group worship? That's really what, where I want to spend our time this morning. I had a pastor friend once who said something. I wrote it down. I underlined it. I've used it in a sermon before. I kind of have a lot of these one-liners uh, in my pocket. I have a, a different pastor friend who has a note on his, his iPhone, a note in his notes app that says, buckets and chunks. And it's where he just dumps all these like zingers that he can later use in a message. So here's the one that I'm going to use this morning. Um, It says, God's presence is where we know communion and his presence exists inside community. So what I hope to do this morning is really talk about how worship and God's presence go hand in hand. 
He's created a very specific way, Pastor Nicole taught us about spiritual protocols uh, that we can use to live in that presence, that spiritual protocols as we approach worship that we can use to, to get to that presence. But the word for it is community. And here at Erie First, we call it redemptive community. It's one of our core values, okay? Now, that is not to say, obviously, we can experience God's presence anywhere because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have this perpetual relationship with Jesus Christ. If I go to Starbucks, he's there with me. Amen. If I go to Chipotle, he's there with me. Uh, but also, Jesus gave us the gift of the church for a reason. Okay. And I believe that if, when you read in the book of Romans, Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. If the apostle Paul needed mutual encouragement from other believers, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. So do you. And so do I. Okay. So we need to come together with other believers because that is how we find that mutual encouragement. Uh, through redemptive community, we can experience that. And in fact, they even had this right, somewhat right, in the Old Testament. Let's look at Psalms real quick. Uh, we'll see what King David had to say. If you turn to Psalms 122, verse 1, you will read these words from King David. When they said to me, let's go to the house of God, my heart leaped for joy. I'm not sure if it's leaped or leapt, but I'm going to go with leaped, okay? So here we have the king of Israel, the most dignified man in the nation, leaping for joy at the opportunity to go to church. Now, here's what I'd like to do this morning. This is a safe place, okay? No one's going to judge you. Let me see a show of hands for those who leaped for joy that church started at 10. Not, you, not excited, not, oh, this is going to be a great day. I want you leaped, you leapt, whatever the word is. Nobody. Okay, so safe place. We can't judge you because we didn't either. Nobody's judging you, okay? But this is my point. What does King David know that maybe we inside the church have lost sight of? Maybe he's so excited because he knows that quote that I started with this morning. Maybe he knows that God's presence is where we know communion, that we're built for communion. In fact, if you remember from week one, Pastor Nicole taught us that God literally occupied the temple. She had that image of the temple. And so in the Old Testament, the Israelites made their way to the temple because that was the only place that they could experience the presence. That's where it existed. So, of course he was leaping for joy. But we have that same opportunity here. Of course things are different. And of course his presence doesn't only exist inside this church building or that church building. But... What we do know is that where two or three are gathered, Jesus is there with them. He told us that in Matthew, Matthew 18. We know that God himself is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when we're communing with him, we are living inside that community. And that community is what we are designed for. So Jesus gave us the gift of the church for a reason. He desires that we will have ongoing relationship with him, but he also desires that we will grow and share in that relationship with other believers. Yes, share your relationship with other non-believers, evangelism, the Great Commission, but we need to share our relationship with other believers as well. 
So it's a both and type situation. You can read in many of Paul's letters, this isn't just exclusive to Romans 1 where he's looking for this mutual encouragement. He says it regularly. We're not totally sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. I've preached this here before, but in Hebrews 10, it says, forsake not the gathering of the saints. In 2019, we say don't skip church, okay? That's how that goes. So this is because when we are sharing our faith journey with others, that is a very important thing. We aren't in this alone. We are in this together. That's why we all come together for campus cleanup. That's why we all come together for small groups or for new believers class. Okay? So the point is that we are made for communion with him, and one of the ways that communion happens is through this power of community. There's a certain thing that God does and wants to do inside his body, the church, when we come together. Do you believe that? You should believe that, okay? There is this activity that should happen when his church comes together as one, and that is the presence inside community that we're going to go after today. I want to do this real quick. Let's skip to the end of the book and read from Revelation chapter 4. Let's see what's happening in the heavenly places right now as we speak. Because if we're going to pray as Jesus taught us to pray, and actually they just said that Anna learned this, so maybe you have as well. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we're going to pray that, don't you think we should maybe know what it looks like in heaven right now? Would that be a good place to start? Well, here's what's recorded in Revelation chapter 4. It says, I was caught up in deep worship, and there was one seated on the throne, day and night, angels chant, holy, holy, holy is God our master, sovereign, strong, the was and is and the coming. See, God's presence exists in, inside community and in heaven right now. That's a worshiping community. This is why we gather as a group. This is why we gather as a large church body. And when we get together, we have the opportunity to sing songs we've never done before. Now you might say, Quentin, we did I Raise a Hallelujah on Easter. We've done that song before. No, we, we've sang that song on the, it's been on the set list before, but this is the one time that we've sung this song. We have this group of people. Because I'm gonna guess, and I've tried to explain this while leading worship and it's difficult when you're playing guitar and keeping time and all that, but let me, let me slow down a minute and explain it to you. This is our one shot. This group of people has ever been together, I'm gonna guess, and probably our last, because I'm gonna guess that the next time this group of people in the, are in the room, hopefully there's more of us. Hopefully, maybe some of the pieces have changed and there's different people sitting in the pew next to you, okay? So this is our one shot that we have to offer this sound and this song to him that he's never heard before and he'll never get to hear again. Does that sound bigger than four songs before a sermon? Yes. Does that sound bigger than, okay, I kind of like this one. Ah, oh, this one's not really my jam. Oh, okay, I really like this one. That is not what we're doing. This is so much bigger than that and so much holier than that. We talked last week about how worship has the chance to cut to your heart without asking for permission first. Let me rephrase that. Music has the chance to cut to your heart without asking for permission first. Truths get inside you and stick when you sing them and you let God teach you through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's from Colossians 3. 
verse 16. So whether it's the reckless love of God or the recognition of the endless hallelujah, we can join in when we praise him. These are so much more than just a few songs before the message. These are teaching opportunities. I want to take a second right here. I'm going to try to do this without crying. I'm already doing a terrible job. Um, but April 1st of this year, my family, my, my family lost an absolute rock. The best guy, my wife's father, Kevin, passed away at 57 years old in the middle of the night from a heart attack. And it, it, it still is flooring us. It, it, it's something you don't, you don't move on from it. So pro tip, don't say, have you moved on? Okay, because you don't. You don't ever move on. Um, you carry it with you the rest of your life. But he was everyone's favorite person. He left this legacy that was so big, challenges me to love people bigger and deeper. I don't know anyone who ever had a bad minute with Kevin Oaks. I'm his son-in-law, and I never had a bad minute with Kevin Oaks. So if anybody was gonna, it would have been me. Um, but, and, and thank you to everybody in this church who poured out love and support and helped us get through that. That's the power of a community outside the four walls of the church. That's the power of a redemptive community the other six days a week. But here's why I bring this up. I've led worship hundreds and hundreds of times. I can't count how many times I've led worship. And God has taught me so many amazing things and showed me things as I'm up here uh, leading a band or by myself or whatever the case is. But a few weeks ago, probably maybe a month ago, and we're going to sing this song later today. We're singing this song, Endless Hallelujah. And this is where I'm going to cry. And it says, from this moment on, join with heaven's song, Revelation 4 singing out an endless hallelujah. And in the middle of that song, literally out of nowhere, we did it in rehearsal, it didn't hit me. We're live in the service and it hits me. God just, lean, God just nudges me and says, Kevin's doing this right now. You're doing this with Kevin. This is the one thing you can still do with him until you see him again. I was done, like, like worse than right now. Like I was out, like, okay. Uh, see, we can make our own song as a community in this room, but when we do, we're also joining this ever joyful, eternal praise that's being poured out at his feet. It's so much bigger than just four songs and did I like them or didn't I like them? Did they get me where I wanted to go? Man, it's not about us. It is so not about us, all right? And so if we're gonna pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when we do corporate worship together, that is our slice or our preview of what we're going to get to experience later on. And if you have a loved one and you're in the same boat and I'm triggering you and you're crying right now, I'm sorry, but I hope that's an encouragement to you. I hope that that reminds you that you can participate with them. You can do the same thing that they're doing. It's not over. It's just a pause, a very unfortunate pause that you didn't see coming, but reuniting, restoration will happen, okay? All right. Okay, I got through it. Um, okay, so this is what I'd like to do. I, I want to turn and study kind of more on a practical level of what it looks like to worship as the church and not even with music. If you follow me on social media, I posted yesterday, did you know you can worship God inside the church building and never sing a song? You're going to learn about that today. So I want you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. And we're going to kind of dissect what the Apostle Paul taught the church in Rome about worshiping as a gospel community 
and what that looks like. Verse 1 says this, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Now, I love, I'll just say it, I love to argue. I'm, and I'm pretty good at it. I'm really good at it. So, uh, but this is how you know God is real and God has changed me. I, you're not going to get me arguing about stuff, silly stuff in here. You're just not. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight about a bunch of stuff at a Starbucks. And two hours later, the barista still doesn't know Jesus. It's not me. I'm not going to do that. Okay. So here, Paul is saying, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And he goes on to discuss specific issues of that day, like food and uh, certain days of the week being holier than others and all these things. Because remember, and we learned this a few months ago in our Fact or Fiction series, uh, or trusted about the Word of God, that, that uh, Jesus brought something totally new. And so that when, when something new comes in, well, the old has something to say about the new. And now you have the opportunity for quarreling. And so they're, they're fighting about... Uh, certain days of the week being holier than others and all this. But as I read through Romans 14 this week, and I read 14.1, here's what I believe. If we're going to just boil it all down, squeeze a sponge, the final drop that comes out is going to say this, welcome others in to your gospel community. Welcome others in. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Okay? You want to live a worshipful lifestyle like we talked about last week? Welcome others in. Welcome in those with a weak faith, with a new faith. Hey, hey, it's okay, newsflash, to have a weak faith because the Holy Spirit will give you more faith and give you a strong faith. So there's no shame in that. It's okay to realize where you are on your spiritual journey and desire and strive for more, okay? So accept those in, welcome others in who have a weaker faith than you into your life into your job, into your family, into your workplace, welcome others in. Because the church is not a place to display your perfect life. The church is a place to minister to one another and let the Holy Spirit repeatedly perfect each of our lives. Do I need to say it again? The church is not a place to display your perfect life, but it is a place to minister to one another and let the Holy Spirit repeatedly perfect all of our lives, okay? So we're not here for us. We are here to honor God, and he is telling us right here that we do that when we love others, embrace them as they are, and welcome others in, Romans 14, verse 1. All right, the second thing, there's only three, the second thing that we can do to worship inside the church without ever singing a song, okay? If you skip down, if you read through Romans 14, in fact, I would encourage you this week to read through Romans 14, Colossians 3, Ephesians 4. This is your homework, Romans 14, Colossians 3, Ephesians 4. These are all places in the New Testament where Paul is encouraging church, the church in different places on how to conduct themselves as disciples and followers of Christ, okay? But number two, if you skip down as you're reading through this, he's challenging how we interact with others. He's challenging the church in Rome. Hopefully he's challenging you in here today. And in verse 10, he says, he just straight up asks, why do you judge your brother or your sister? And then down in verse 13, 
He says, let's stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. I mean, come on. He flips the whole thing on his head, and he says, wait, 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 you're judging them? What about you? Are you putting a stumbling is, is this your fault? Paul was probably good at arguing. I mean, I'm just going to say it. So uh, listen, this is, this is point number two. When we squeeze that sponge and the drop that comes out, it says live graciously. Stop judging those around us and live graciously. Create a space for them. Let's not spend our energy throwing judgments at each other, but let's instead take that same time and that same energy and build relationships. Let's get to know each other and allow God to do the work in each person's heart. All right? That's not to say that God won't use you to do some of that work, but let God use you to do some of that work. Don't just decide and purpose on your own. I think I need to go do some work on so-and-so's life, okay? I mean, isn't this what Jesus did? If we were going to look at Jesus' whole ministry, what did he do? He met people where they're at. We read last week from John 4, the woman at the well, and he, he just simply conversed with her. He didn't judge her. He didn't throw stones at her. He didn't do anything but get to know her, met her where she's at, built this relationship, and because of that, he revolutionized her life. If you read all of John chapter 4, you see that many of the Samaritans in that town believed that he was able to stay there and do more ministry because of this bridge and this relationship that he built because... He lived graciously because he gave all this space and all this room for her to come to the conclusion and come to the, the point of realizing she was in need of this Savior that sat right in front of her, okay? This is an amazing, count, an amazing account of the power of meeting people where they're at, and when we live graciously, we can do the same thing, all right? A few months ago, I had the chance to preach, and I gave you my story. If you were here, you, you might remember. I talked about my friend, and at the end, spun it on its head, and I was my friend. But uh, listen, I, I grew up in a Christian school. I used so much of what I learned uh, when I was growing up in my day job. You know, all of that stuff sat, sits in here. Like, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he won't depart from it. Like, that happened, but I departed for a while. And it was the friends in my life, the godly friends in my life that built relationship with me, that didn't just talk down to me, that they were the ones who were able to ask me the hard questions, challenge how I was living, and push me back towards Jesus. And I'm forever grateful that they did. So when we live grace, great, graciously, we can do the same thing. Relationship and living graciously with each other is an act of worship. We read last week, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work life, and place it before God as an offering. When you build relationships, love others well, you will be worshiping him through your actions, okay? Anytime we put down our own selfish and fleshly desires, we are worshiping him. That is what it all comes down to. All right, so practical steps to worshiping God, as found in Romans 14. Number one... Welcome others in. Number two, live graciously with each other. All right? And you can find that in, in uh, verses 10 and 13. And then to sum it all up, 
We're just going to read into the first two verses of Romans 15. If you read continuously, man put that break in there, but Paul was still writing when they threw a 15 down in there. Uh, He's continuing his thoughts from Romans 14, and he says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Same idea, same thought coming across, but when we come together as a church, when we're living graciously with each other, he's saying, serve each other. Or I might say this way, fill each other's gaps. You see something happening? I can't tell you how many times this awesome band has filled my gaps. I screw up all the time. And they see the train coming and they take care of it. And they get, they, you know, they, they spare you from, a, from an accident that I might make. Like that's serving each other. That's why when Pastor Steve talks about campus cleanup, that's the opportunity to serve each other. We talked about someone who might be new on their spiritual journey. You might come in here and be like, I don't even know where I'm at with this whole thing. And you want me to come clean up your campus? No, don't worry about it. But hey, if you've been here a while, I want you to come clean up our campus and fill that guy's gap while he figures some stuff out, all right? Like that's the whole idea. We're serving each other. We are, we are doing what's good for the whole picture, all right? And you can read down into verse four of Romans 15. It says, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. See, we have access to this word and we have these encouragements, these instructions, but they were given to us for a point to know and remember that we have hope, all right? And it is through this hope that we can be welcoming to others, gracious towards others, serve others, all right? And I mean, another spoiler alert for you, when you do that inside the church, like, I don't want to shatter the glass for you, but inside the church, there's going to be a ton of opportunities to welcome others in, live graciously, and serve each other. Like, there's always opportunity to love others well. And inside the church, you know, sometimes we magnify that. Sometimes we make more issues than, than it's worth, and, and that's just another chance for you to roll out another mile of grace for somebody, okay? So, like I said before, this is not a place to, to come in and display your perfect life. This is a place to come in, to love each other, and let the Holy Spirit repeatedly perfect your life. Psalm 138, verse 8 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. It says the Lord will perfect. It doesn't say Pastor Don will perfect what concerns you. It doesn't say Sister Susie will perfect what concerns you. It doesn't say Pastor Quint. It says the Lord, okay? So God's got this. Now, he might choose to use Pastor Don. In fact, he, he does regularly in my life. Um, he might choose to use Sister Susie. He might choose to use Pastor Quint uh, in your life, but he's only going to do that if he sees these three things being displayed, if he sees that the heart of the person he's going to use is welcoming and is gracious and is serving, and is in it for the good of the kingdom, not for the good of their agenda or the thing that they're after. All right? So let's kind of bring all of this together, and then we're going to take some some time again, like I said, to worship. Uh, But if you flip back in your Bible to the middle of the book, there's a book called Psalms. All right? It's 150 chapters long. It's the longest book in the Bible. It might be the most popular book in the Bible. You could potentially shake someone on the street 
all the way around the world, say, name a book from the Bible, they might know Psalms. It's kind of a unique book. But Psalms is all, almost all worship and proclamation of God's glory. All right? And so a few years ago, I read through um, the entire book of Psalms. I didn't have a, a timeline. I didn't say a chapter a day. I just opened it up, read through it. I thought it'd be a good thing for a worship pastor to maybe read the longest book in the Bible that's all worship. So I just, I don't know how long it took me. But I'm sure it was over a year. And I was totally fine with that because I was more concerned about getting what Psalms said into me than just getting through the book of Psalms. Like that wasn't my goal. And so here's some things that I remember though and that are, that are highlighted in my Bible. Psalms 120 Verses one and two say this, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and deceitful tongues. You jump over three chapters in Psalm 123.1, it says, I lift up my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. Way back, a hundred chapters earlier, in Psalm 25, verse one, King David says, in you, Lord my God, I put my trust I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. And like I said, there's 150 chapters. I could do this all day. But here's my point. These are the songs and the prayers of a follower of God recorded for us to read. These are the longings and writings from a soul that desires their father, desires communion, desires this presence so much, like we talked about earlier. All right, now here's what I need you to do. I want you to look to your left and to your right. Everybody get a good look? Because I really need you to look to your left and your right. Because here's why. Everyone you just saw with your eyes is crying out similar things from their heart. Everyone you just saw with your eyes is crying out similar things to their God, longing for this communion, designed for this relationship, okay? King David was absolutely used by God and absolutely anointed, physically anointed. You can read that account uh, in the Old Testament. But listen, King David was a mess. He was a giant mess. And his whole mess is recorded in here for us to read later, okay? That's not fun, all right? But here's the point. When we take Romans 14 and 15 seriously, or Colossians 3 or Ephesians 4, when we take these instructions to welcome others in and live graciously and serve each other seriously, we create a space for someone in that situation to cry out to their God, to get the heart change and the life change that they're after. That's what we do. And we let the Holy Spirit repeatedly perfect all of our lives. That's the point, okay? That's the parallel. So when we do that, we will be positioning others to wade through their mess, to wade through their shortcomings, and we'll be putting down our own fleshly desires, our own natural tendencies, how we would want to deal with the situation, our opinion on the matter. We lay all that to rest, and we let God do the fighting. I mean, we sing these songs, this is how we fight our battles. And we raise our hallelujahs in the presence of confusion, in the presence of things that we don't understand. Do we really? Do we really surrender control of the matter over to him and trust him to, to figure it out with whoever needs something figured out? 
That is the question. And that's what we have the opportunity to do when we welcome others in, live graciously, and serve each other. We create a space for this healthy, God-fearing worship, okay? Now, we talked last week, and I'm wrapping up, that worship is a 24-7, 365, all day, every day type of activity, all right? Here at Erie First, I mentioned our core value of redemptive community. We also hold the core value of Holy Spirit-led worship and prayer, okay? Now, I'm not going to turn there right now, but Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit is also called the Comforter. So if we hold the core value of Holy Spirit-led worship and prayer, and the Holy Spirit is also called the Comforter, then shouldn't our worship atmosphere be comforting? Shouldn't we create a space that's comforting to those that are wading through their mess or dealing with their shortcomings or, or just meeting Jesus for the first time and figuring out what that means? That is what Holy Spirit-led worship and prayer really, truly means in a corporate worship-type environment, okay? The Holy Spirit is guiding our worship, and that means that our worship needs to be comforting. We said at the beginning, God's presence is where we know communion, and his presence exists inside community. This is what that all sums up to me. We have a role to play. We have a role to play in people experiencing uh, this, this comforting worship. We have a role to play in welcoming others in. And we have a role to play in praising the only one who's worthy with everything we've got when we come together. Because it, again, it's so much more than just four songs before someone speaks. It is our opportunity to make one joyful noise as a group of people who may never be together exactly again. Okay? So this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to spend some time in worship. Um, and we're going to sing, actually, that song that I talked about when I told you the story about my father-in-law, Endless Alleluia. And so I want you to know I've been praying for you this week, and I've been praying that, um, you know, if, if today is a day where maybe, I hope that when God puts something on my heart or Pastor Nicole's heart or whoever's up here, and, they, and we come to you and we say, we need to be welcoming we need to be gracious. We need to serve each other. We need to spend that judging energy buying cups of coffee and getting to know each other. I hope that if that, if you need to work on that, today's a really safe place, like we've talked about, to, re to repent and to say, like, God, I want to do better. I know you've designed me to do better. I know that you put your Holy Spirit inside of me, and the Holy Spirit's called the comforter, and I haven't been real comforting. And so I want to just repent of that Thank you for how gracious and good you are. And then I want to join this endless hallelujah that's praising you right now. And I want to lift this song. So like that's been my hope and my heart and, and my prayer for you this week. And, and maybe that's heavy, but I hope you came here to leave different. I hope you came here to leave changed and to leave um, closer to him and, and drawing to him. So so let's just all ask ourselves, and I'm going to pray, and we're going, to, we're going to jump into this song, but let's ask ourselves, am I welcoming? Am I gracious to others? Am I serving others? And, and let's, just, let's just really think on that 
and, and see what God has for us. Because I believe when we start answering those three questions, we'll be able, like never before, to create this worship atmosphere that is so comforting to other people, that is so uh, inviting and, and so unexplainable with human words, but we'll know that something in the supernatural is happening. And that's really what we're after here. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into this song. God, I just praise you uh, in this place for how faithful you are and how patient you are and how good you are. And I thank you that right now there's this endless hallelujah that's being poured out on you and we have the chance to join it. And we have the chance to worship with those that we love who have maybe already passed away. We have the chance as this church in this room right now, those that chose to come today on May 26th, to lift up a song you've never heard before. And so God, I pray my, my heart through this series so far and through this morning is that we would take this so seriously, that we would understand you're the only one who's worthy, that we would understand that, that you have such great things you wanna do inside this place, but they start with us being right with you. And so as we worship today, God, may, you, may this song bless you. May we just pour out this praise on you and may our hearts change. May we leave different and may we leave better and closer to the version of us that you have in mind, not the version of us that we wanna cling on to. Amen. Amen. Let's worship this morning. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Christ.